I fear not the dark itself, but what may lurk within it. Welcome to Lurk, bringing you creepy, strange, and bone-chilling stories with your host, Jamie Jackson. Welcome to this week's episode. Before we get to our episode, I did want to give you a quick recap of our weekend in Whitehall, New York at the Sasquatch Festival. I know I try not to talk too much in the beginning of the episode about different things because most people, if you're like me, you want to get right to the meat of the episode. But just bear with me for a moment. We traveled there on Friday the 23rd, and we almost didn't make it to New York. The tire on the truck had not been tightened down when the mechanic rotated the tires, and we lost two lug nuts and studs while we were driving on the highway at 70-ish miles per hour. We did manage to luck out when we pulled off the exit, and the exit actually ended up having a Toyota dealership. It was the Newburgh Toyota And let me tell you, excellent place. So if you are in the market for a Toyota vehicle and you live in the Newburgh, New York area, their service department was excellent. We did not have an appointment, obviously. We just pulled off the exit and they were swamped. They were super busy. They looked at the truck anyway, diagnosed the problem, checked to make sure there was no other damage, tightened everything down, checked all the tires, let us know we would be okay to get to where we were going. We were actually about two hours from the hotel at this point. We were two hours away from Whitehall. They also didn't charge us for what they did. So I just really want to give a shout out to the service department at Newburgh Toyota. There are good people out there who help people who need it. In other news, we did need to try to get the studs and the lug nuts replaced. So we did call the Romeo Toyota dealership in Glens Falls, New York, which was near our destination, and they basically offered no assistance in getting the studs and the lug nuts replaced, even though they had the parts that we needed. uh, Newburgh did not have the parts on hand and wouldn't be able to get them for at least another day, and we weren't staying there. While Newburgh Toyota was great, Romeo Toyota blew us off, acted like they didn't want to do anything to help us, um, didn't offer any alternative places to take it. We were three women, seven hours from home. And, uh, anyway, we ended up driving home with the missing lug nuts and studs. We made it fine. We were all good. But anyway, that was our ordeal. You might remember, I think I mentioned it previously back in June when we went to the Virginia Bigfoot conference that my van left us on the side of the road about 30 minutes from our destination and it was a whole I can't think of the word it was a whole production to get the van back home get us another vehicle Uh, so my husband has said that my mom and I and Liz with so sci-fi are no longer allowed to ride together to go to Bigfoot conventions because we're Two for two. 
Um, anyway, the festival itself was excellent. We lucked out with the weather. It was mid-60s, uh, sunny, not really much of a wind. It was beautiful. There were over 70 vendors there, which meant a lot more competition for Liz and I for our vendor booths, but there were tons of people there. We had a great time. Definitely looking forward to going back. I also want to give a shout out to all the new people that I met and chatted with and another shout out to those who stopped by to say that they had met me last year and that they really enjoyed the podcast. I love meeting and talking with people who share my interest in the paranormal. It really goes a long way to encourage me to continue the the podcast when I hear that people actually are enjoying it. Because sometimes when I'm sitting here recording, I'm basically talking to myself and my family enjoys it, but they're my family, so they're slightly biased. So thank you for taking the time to stop by, tell me you enjoyed it, show me how you were wearing your sweatshirts, so thank you. Next year, the festival is planned for September 30th. I am already planning on being there, so mark your calendar. And enough about the Bigfoot Festival, let's get on to this week's episode. So for this week, we are traveling south to Georgia, specifically Savannah, uh, to the Bonaventure Cemetery. I personally have visited Savannah and Bonaventure back about 15 years ago. It's on my list of places that I want to go back to. I was only able to visit for a brief stay, and I really want to be able to spend some more time there. Gorgeous city. I highly recommend it if you like history, ghosts, or gorgeous southern cities, or all of the above. It's beautiful. There's a lot of history there. Not just history as far as Revolutionary War, Civil War, that sort of thing. Forrest Gump was actually filmed in Savannah, where Forrest is sitting on the bench. That was in Savannah. So, great town. Though Savannah itself has a ton of ghost stories, Today, we're going to focus primarily on the Bonaventure Cemetery, which is located about three miles from the city. We're going to save Savannah for another episode. The history of Bonaventure dates back to the early 1760s, when British Colonel John Mulrine and his wife Claudia arrived in Georgia from South Carolina. They named their new plantation Bonaventure, which meant good fortune. Colonel Mulrine is responsible for the gorgeous old live oaks that are draped with Spanish moss there in the cemetery. He reportedly had them planted when his daughter Mary married Josiah Tatnall. Apparently, if you view the cemetery from above, the trees are planted in the form of the initials M.T. for Mary Tatnall, in case you're wondering, or possibly Mulrine Tatnall. I don't know. During the Revolutionary War, the Bonaventure Plantation was involved in the escape of Royal Governor James Wright after his arrest. This led to the 600-acre Bonaventure tract being confiscated by the Revolutionary government. The two families who were loyalists, loyal to Britain, fled the country. Mulrine fled to the Caribbean, where he died shortly after, and Tatnall fled to London. Young Josiah Tatnall Jr. was loyal to Georgia and the Patriots, and he returned to fight under Nathaniel Green. Due to his patriotism, Josiah Tatnall was allowed to buy back his family land. 
He married Harriet Fenwick and went on to become the governor of Georgia. Members of the Mulrine and Tattnall families, including Josiah and Harriet, were the cemetery's first official inhabitants and were buried across the lane from the plantation house. In 1847, the property was sold to Peter Wiltberger, who incorporated 70 acres into the Evergreen Cemetery Company. Eventually, the city of Savannah obtained ownership of the property, and it became the Bonaventure Cemetery. The city of Savannah still owns the property today. The cemetery was designed as a traditional Victorian cemetery with curving pathways, lots of trees, and grassy areas. Back then, cemeteries were some of the first parks, and it wasn't unusual for people to picnic on the grounds. Truth be told, my cousin and I once sat in a cemetery and ate ice cream cones. After the city of Savannah acquired the property, it was expanded to 103 acres and was redesigned to provide a greater number of grave sites and more efficient grounds maintenance than the evergreen design could provide. Since it was founded in 1847, Bonaventure Cemetery has had a reputation for being one of the most beautiful resting places in the country. Even famed environmentalist John Muir admired its beauty. In 1867, when Muir was doing his thousand-mile walk, he camped for six days in the cemetery, sleeping on the graves. Muir wrote, Bonaventure is called a graveyard, a town of the dead, but the few graves are powerless in such depth of life. The rippling of living waters, the song of birds, the joyous confidence of flowers, the calm, undisturbable grandeur of the oaks, Mark this place of graves as one of the Lord's most favored abodes of life and light. The cemetery gained national fame with the publication of the book Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, which told the true story of murder, revenge, and voodoo in Savannah. Good book, by the way, if you haven't already read it. The cover of the book featured the image of the statue of the Bird Girl, that was located in Bonaventure. But because fans of the book, and or the movie, because there was a movie made as well, swarmed the cemetery. So the statue was moved first to the Telfair Museum and then the Jepson Center for the Arts. I do highly recommend checking out the book. I did not see the movie. I just read the book. You're probably like, shut up, Jamie, let's get on with the ghosts. So long before the land became a cemetery, it was a sprawling plantation and known for its lavish parties. One evening in autumn, near the date of the harvest moon, which my guess would mean it was sometime around September, there was a party. Guests were dressed for a masquerade and a lavish meal was prepared. That evening, as the partygoers ate and drank, a servant approached the master and informed him that a fire had broken out in the kitchen and was rapidly spreading. Attempts to put out the flames were useless, but the plantation owner didn't despair. He got the servants together and ordered them to carry the tables, chairs, and food outside where his guest could continue to party. Once relocated outside, the men and women continued to eat, drink, and dance by the light of the flames consuming the house. When the dinner was done, the owner raised his glass and a toast, he declared his wish that their party might never end. 
When he was done his toast, he threw his glass against a nearby tree. The guests all followed suit, causing the sound of breaking glass to mix with the pops and hiss of the fire. Some claim that the power of their toast, or the wish that the party continue, was granted. On autumn evenings, you can still hear the tinkle of breaking glass mingled with the sounds of laughter, music, and crackling flames. Visitors have also reported hearing the crying of a baby, the incessant barking of a mad dog, and laughter. I should also mention that there were most likely people who were buried alive in Bonaventure Cemetery. Before modern technology, like heart monitors, people in comas with a low pulse were mistakenly buried. Scratch marks could sometimes be found on the inside of caskets that were exhumed or ransacked by grave robbers. I don't even want to imagine what it's like to wake up and realize that you've been buried alive. I was going to say we were going to continue with a less morbid story now, but we're talking about a cemetery, and honestly, this next story is uh, full of tragedy. Conrad Aiken, the Pulitzer Prize-winning poet, is buried in Bonaventure. Aiken's life was a somewhat tragic one. His father, a prominent eye doctor, suffered from mental illness. Though he was never actually diagnosed, because back then there really wasn't a whole lot that they did for people with mental illness. But today, based on his behavior, some say that he was probably schizophrenic. He is said to have spent his days worried that someone would commit him to a mental hospital. And when asked how he was doing, he would respond, for the answer to that question, I'll have to refer you to my lawyer. Seriously, I think I want to use that when people call me at work and it's a telemarketer and they want to be like, well, how are you today? I'm going to say, well, you need to speak to my attorney. That would be awesome. <laughs> anyway, um, Aiken's parents argued terribly throughout his childhood. And one night in 1901, when Conrad Aiken was 11 years old, he listened to his parents argue, then heard his father count to three, his mother scream, and two gunshots. Conrad went to his parents' room and found them dead. His father had murdered his mother and then killed himself. Conrad Aiken spent considerable time in Bonaventure Cemetery at his parents' graves. He had a bench installed there where he would sit and drink martinis. The bench would later become his tombstone. Conrad Aiken's childhood home is known to be haunted. It's full of strange voices and strange lights. And perhaps you might like to take a thermos of martinis to Bonaventure to sit on Aiken's bench and sip some with his ghost. Bonaventure Cemetery is the eternal home of many famous people. One of them is the co-founder of Capitol Records, Johnny Mercer. Johnny Mercer was born in Savannah, but eventually made his way to New York, where he wrote lyrics for musicals, before eventually ending up in Hollywood, where he wrote songs for major motion pictures. One of his more famous songs is Moon River from the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. Two of my favorites. He even won an Academy Award for Best Original Song. After his death in 1976 from an inoperable brain tumor, Mercer's body was transported across the country and buried in Bonaventure. 
Johnny rolls out the red carpet for those who visit his grave. While the azaleas in the cemetery typically bloom for only two weeks in March, the azaleas around Mercer's grave bloom year-round. One tour guide said, It's not a full bloom, but they do bloom all year. Bonaventure Cemetery isn't without a star-crossed love story. This one is a controversial story and tells the ill-fated love story of Corinne Elliott Lawton. Corinne was the daughter of the well-to-do Alexander Robert Lawton, who served the community as a lawyer, politician, president of the Augusta and Savannah Railroad, brigadier general in the Army of the Confederacy, and president of the American Bar Association. Legend has it that when Corinne was old enough to get married, she fell in love with a man well below her social status. Her parents, being completely against this, arranged her marriage with one of Savannah's wealthiest men. After meeting him, Corinne told her father that she could never love such a man, to which her father replied, You will learn to love him, and you will learn to socialize with those of your class. Time went by, and with everything ready for the wedding, she no longer bore any hope. A day before the wedding, Corinne, angry and heartbroken, took the best horse her father had and rode to the banks of the river, where she drowned herself. Her family buried her and hired the famous Sicilian sculptor Benedetto Civiletti to make a statue of her. Her figure sits in front of a cross, and a wreath of garlands falls out of her hands. She has no pupils and seems to have a lost look in her eyes. Corinne was originally buried at the Laurel Grove Cemetery and later reinterred at the Bonaventure after her family passed. However, she wasn't buried in the family tomb. Her statue is facing away from the family tomb, which has a smiling Jesus. It's said that her statue is purposefully placed so that it's turning away from her family and from God. There is some dispute over how she really died, however. Her mother's journal says that she died from a sudden illness. Some accounts say that that was yellow fever, and some say pneumonia. What's interesting here is that Corinne was no young woman when she died. She died at the age of 30, an age when women were considered past their prime, old maids and spinsters, if not already married. Is it possible both of these stories are true? that she didn't die from drowning, but succumbed later to pneumonia from trying to drown herself? Further, a family of such prominence would not want to publicize the scandal this all would have brought to the family. The symbolism of the positioning of her grave and statue turning away from her family and being on the outside suggests perhaps she did kill herself, or otherwise shamed the family. As far as the ghostly part of this legend... It's said that the statues of those in Bonaventure who do not rest in peace actually walk around the cemetery. Corinne's statue is said to smile at those visitors she likes, those who are respectful to her and her grave. Those who might be less respectful see her stone face contorted and twisted. That would scare the crap out of me. First of all, seeing statues walking around, no thank you. And then seeing a statue smile at you or give you this grimace, grimacing look? Nope. No thank you. Another of the famous statues in Bonaventure is that of little Gracie Watson. 
She was the daughter of Wales and Frances Watson, originally of Massachusetts. Gracie's parents managed the famed Pulaski Hotel on Johnson Square in Savannah. Gracie was the center of attention in the hotel lobby, where she played and put on shows for the guests. Just two days before Easter in 1889, Gracie died of pneumonia. Her devastated parents commissioned sculptor John Waltz to carve a life-size monument of their little girl. Waltz used a photo of Gracie and sculpted her monument. It's said to be a perfect image of the little girl. The city of Savannah was heartbroken over Gracie's death, and when her parents moved back north, Gracie was left all alone in the cemetery with no one to care for and visit her grave. The tradition began that whenever you visited Bonaventure Cemetery, you also had to visit Gracie. People would leave toys and coins at her grave. It's not a stretch to believe that the active little girl in life would be an active little girl in death as well. Her ghost has been seen around Johnson Square in Savannah, where the Pulaski Hotel once stood. She's dressed in white and seen playing and running through bushes and interacting with people. She is most often seen by people sitting on the benches in Johnson Square. But Gracie has also been seen in Bonaventure Cemetery. She's been seen playing and running around the cemetery. One legend says that if you place a quarter in the hand of Gracie's statue, then circle around the statue three times, the quarter would disappear. And if someone dares to take one of the gifts people have left for her, her statue begins to cry tears of blood. That's going to do it for this episode. I know it's a little bit shorter than normal. Usually I try to keep them about 30 minutes. But honestly, it's been a whirlwind trip with the trip to New York and uh, the stress of the tire issue um, and unpacking, which it took me several days to unpack the car. I've been driving around with a concrete Bigfoot statue in the back of my car uh, until today, actually, um, recording this on Wednesday prior to this being released. So, so I apologize for the shorter episode. As always, you can find Lurk wherever you get your podcast or at lurkpodcast.com. On the website, you can also find links to our social media accounts. We are most active on Facebook and Instagram, and we have a YouTube account. If you like what you hear, please share the podcast with your friends and consider giving us a five-star review. And until next time, keep lurking. <laughs>